Well, hey everyone, thanks for checking out this message from Journey Church. These resources are so awesome to have when you're out in nature like we are and you gotta go be outside on these nice days. However, we want you to know that there is nothing better than true fellowship with believers and live worship with your fellow Christians. So be sure to use this message only in conjunction with getting fed in a community of believers. Hey, we also want you to get connected with us, so be sure to text the word CONNECT to 307-271-9160 so that you can stay in the loop with everything happening at Journey Church and get notifications about upcoming events. Hey, we pray that this message encourages you and inspires you as you continue this life on your walk with Jesus. You've seen the stage decorated for Vacation Bible School. It's going to be an exciting time. Make sure your kids are a part of it or family, friends, or friends of your children, whatever it might be, grandchildren. Make sure they're participating in a part of that because it's going to be a blessing in their lives. A uh, second thing I want to mention is that uh, Pastor Grant and Terry, uh, his wife, have now joined the church. They have uh, arrived. They arrived this past week, and so Grant is right here in the back hiding in the Welcome Center, so he'll stand up back here. So we are blessed to have he and Terry joining our staff. You're going to get to know him. In fact, uh, how many of you today, just a quick quick survey, how many of you today, when he you came in the church today, you got a hug from Grant? Can I just see some hand, hands? Okay. How many got a hug from me today? Okay. There you go. That's a lie. Okay. Be careful. Be ca we just watched a video on that. All right. Grant got a hug because he forced a hug upon me. So he got a hug in return. So that to say that if you have a desire for a pastor who is a hugging pastor, go to Grant. Uh, I am not going to be that person. I, I'm not ever going to be that person. Um, you know, it's interesting though. I was talking with Grant this morning in Ephesians chapter 3. God is speaking through the Apostle Paul, and Paul writes this. He, it says that he gave some to be uh, prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers to equip the saints for the building up of the body. So not every person is going to have that same gifting and same ability. He is much more of that shepherd, and I am much more of that teacher. And so God is going to bring all of a staff together in order to make one good pastor out of four very flawed people. I think that's the way that it's actually going to work. So let's turn in our Bibles, though, today and get into the Word of God. We are in this series called The Ten Great Words for Life. Now, we are on commandment number nine today. Next week, we are going to actually take a break from this series and talk about Father's Day. And it's always amazing to me how pastors, when they preach on Mother's Day and Father's Day, it's two very different types of messages. For mothers, it is often um, loving and kind and flowery. In fact, we give moms flowers and talk about how wonderful moms are. And then for Father's Day, we beat up dads and tell them how pathetic and awful you are. And uh, I'm not going to do that this, this uh, year. I'm going to try to preach a message of encouragement to all of the dads next week. And then we're going to wrap up this series the week after that. But today we are in commandment number nine. So let's do what we have done every week through this. We're going to read all of the commandments. And the reason I do that every week is just to reemphasize and make you very familiar with the commandments that God has said. So we're going to start again in, in uh, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse one. 
Now remember, Jesus was asked the question, teacher, which is the great commandment? And they were, te- they were trying to test Jesus, and Jesus gave them the ultimate answer, and he gave them the answer that summarizes all of the Ten Commandments into two categories. He said that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and he said the second is like it, that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. All of the commandments are divided into those two categories. The first four commandments are about loving God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second set of commandments, the final six commandments, are about loving your neighbor as yourself. What does it mean to love people in this world? In fact, a society, to be a functioning society, needs to be built upon these commandments of God. If you take these commandments away from a society, the society will start to crumble, which is why, in my opinion, we are seeing the devastation we have today in our society because these commandments have been thrown to the side that they're not important any longer. Where they once were important and central, now they have just been tossed aside. Commandment number one says this, Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord, Adonai, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You you shall have no other gods before me. This is foundational in a society. God's saying this, I'm the one that set you free. I am the one that redeemed you. I'm the one that took Just turn that off. Uh, I'm the one that took you out of the situation you were in. Therefore, you shall have no other gods before me. This is the context of all of the commandments. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Paul writes this to the Romans. He's saying uh, about society, he's saying although they knew God, although they have seen the evidence of God, the evidence that's all around us, they refused to honor him as God. And as a result, society began to crumble. When you take this commandment out of the mix, saying we will not worship God any longer, society will begin to crumble. The first commandment is this, you will have undivided allegiance, that there is no other one that can be worshipped. God is the one that is to be worshipped with all of your heart. And so that's the first challenge to us. In your heart, are you worshipping God or are you worshipping something else or someone else in your life? That led to number two. Number two was this, do not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness or anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. Do not bow down to them. Do not let anyone make you serve them. For I, Adonai your God, am a jealous God, bringing the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing loving kindness to the thousands of generations of those who love me and keep my commands, my mitzvot. Now what the second one was about was about making sure that God is on the throne of your heart, that you not only worship him, but he is seated on the throne. It's undiminished worship. God, I will follow you and I will surrender to you as the authority in my life, as the king of my life, and you will be on the throne. You will be Lord and master of my life. So I worship him I let him sit on my throne of my heart, and then that becomes number three, you must not take the name of Adonai your God in vain, for Adonai will not hold him guiltless that takes his name in vain. So you remember this. That means then that I am a good representative of the one who sits on the throne of my heart whom I worship. I'm a good uh, ambassador 
for the king. I am a good representative of how I am living out my life, and I am a good representative of his name. Commandment number four, remember Yom Shabbat to keep it holy. You are to work on six days and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Shabbat to Adonai your God. In it you shall not do any work, not you, nor your son, nor your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your cattle, nor the outsider that is within your gates. For in six days Adonai made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them. He rested on the seventh day. Thus Adonai blessed the day of Sabbath and made it holy. So what that was about was learning then how do I rest in the God who I represent, who sits on the throne of my heart, whom I worship. Am I resting in him? Am I finding time to connect with him? Connecting with him through his word, through prayer, having a time of devotion with him, setting aside church to worship him in that aspect, but just resting from the striving of life and finding how do I really cease and listen to him. Now, that then turned the corner to get into how do I then love others. And when I have God at the center of my life, society begins to function the way that it should. The first thing that we do in society is we start to establish a system where we honor authority and elders. He says this, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long upon the land which Adonai your God is giving you. This is about authority. It is a societal problem when we quit honoring people, when we quit seeing them with having value, when we quit honoring elders and recognizing their right and their position of authority in our lives. It starts with your parents, but it's other people as well. And that's honoring elders. When you take that out of the mix, society again begins to crumble. Then we have another societal issue. Do not murder. This was commandment number seven or number six. And that is about honoring life. What we have done in society when we quit honoring elders, when we quit worshiping God, is that life is devalued. Life does not matter any longer, which means we can kill uh, in the womb and we can kill at the end of life and we can kill in between because life has no value anymore because we have not followed God's principles. Number seven, we will also then begin to honor marriage. Do not commit adultery. And it is a societal problem when you begin to see sexual immorality in all of its various forms taking hold. Now ask yourself these questions. In our society, are we, do we have sexual immorality that is rampant? Do we have a disregard for life? Do we, uh, do we dishonor people, authority, elders? Do we quit worshiping God? Is that why we're struggling and collapsing as a society? Number eight, do not steal. We talked about this last week. Do not steal. We start to see this happening in society as well, where people are just taking from other people. It is a stealing problem. And again, a societal problem, but it's a problem that we've been learning all along that's really all about the heart. Today, commandment number nine says this, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, synonymous with the idea of bearing false witness is the idea of lying. And again, a societal problem. When you have a society that lies and steals and is sexually immoral and devalues life and quits regarding others with honor and respect, 
and does not worship God and set aside time for God and let God sit on the throne of their hearts, then society will begin to collapse. The only remedy for society is God being at the center and us doing things God's way. Today we're going to talk about what it means to honor reputation, what it means to understand that God expects us to be truthful and be following truth as we live out this life. In fact, truly loving your neighbor as yourself is living a life of truth. Let's pray as we begin. Father, as we talk about these truths today, as we talk about understanding why lying matters, why, why lying is something that devalues society and devalues others, help us, Lord, to examine our own hearts and look for things that we have done in ways that we have lied. Lord, I believe it's more rampant than we realize. It's more prevalent than we have ever understood. Help us to examine our hearts and see the ways in which we have, we have bared false witness all around us. Whether it's with our spouses, whether it's with our children, whether it's at work, whether it's for self-protective reasons, whatever it might be, Lord, help us to feel your conviction and walk in your truth, to be the kind of people you want us to be. Lord, we realize these things are all about our hearts, and we want our hearts to be right with you, to be fully and completely committed to you, surrendered to you, and walking with you step by step. <clears throat> Father, thank you for this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and we ask you to be our teacher. In that name, that precious name of Jesus, amen. The verse says this, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, we can probably all remember lies that we told that grew out of control. In fact, if I asked for you to give some testimony or witness to a lie that you told that grew so far out of control that you could not even wrap your brain around it any longer, you could probably all come up with stories like that. In fact, it didn't start as an adult, you can probably remember times as children that you lied in order to do one of several things. Maybe you lied because you were trying to protect yourself and you didn't want to get in trouble. Or maybe you lied because you wanted to build yourself up and make yourself look good in front of other people. Or maybe you lied just because you didn't like someone and you really maybe despised them and that lie was going to tear them down and in the process, it would make you feel good about who you are. One of my favorite uh, favorite stories is actually a video and it's uh, my one of my favorite videos and it's of my little son, Alec. And some of you have seen this video before. It's the perfect picture of a lie that is told and him getting caught in a lie. He was three years old and I want to show you this video. And by the way, when he gets married someday, this will be part of the marriage ceremony that I will be showing this video uh, at that event. So watch, watch this video. <laughs> Alec, how many Oreo cookies have you had? How many Oreo cookies have you had? Have you had any Oreo cookies? You haven't? No Oreo cookies at all, huh? Look at me. Um... How many Oreo cookies have you had? None? Really? Do you want an Oreo cookie? Well, how many have you had? None? Are you telling me the truth? Okay. How come you have chocolate all over your mouth? Uh-oh. How come you have chocolate on your mouth? Alec? Busted. 
ate some. <laughs> well, did you eat some? Austin did too. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I, I love that video because it is a picture of what I think we look like to God sometimes. That God says, what did you do? I didn't do anything. Did you take any Oreo cookies? No, I didn't take any. I didn't have, what's that chocolate all over your mouth then? Well, the natural response to that is to blame his brother. That's what he did right away. So he lied and then he blamed his brother in order to protect himself from any kind of repercussions that would happen because of the lie that he told. And so it's such a wonderful video and such a good reminder of what we look like to God. That's what lying is. Lying is to protect ourselves, to build ourselves up and make ourselves look good, to blame so that we don't get in trouble or it even could be because we despise other people. Now, bearing false witness in the Bible is mentioned many, many times. Uh, in fact, it's something that's mentioned. It's exclusively bad. Uh, being a false witness or giving a false report sows discord among people and it creates separation and pain. In fact, the Bible calls being a false witness, he calls it, they call it lying. Proverbs 14.5, it says this, a trustworthy witness does not lie, but a false witness breathes out lies. And it comes, uh, and, and it compares a man who bears a false witness uh, as essentially using a violent weapon against their neighbor. So when you lie, it is violence against somebody else. It says in Proverbs 28, 18, <clears throat> like a club, a sword, or a sharp arrow is one who bears false witness against his neighbor. Well, let's understand what this means. What is a false witness? What does it mean to be a false witness? A false witness means to lie, to be deceptive, to give wrong or fraudulent evidence or testimony. That's what a false witness is. A false witness, according to what God is talking about, is one who would stand up and swear before others that something untrue is true. That's what a false witness is, especially with the intention of hurting somebody or ruining their reputation. And there's varieties of reasons that we do this, but this is something that God frowns on exclusively in the Bible, that we are not to bear false witness to say what is untrue in order to hurt or ruin the reputation of someone else. In the Bible, this happened to David. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 27, David is accused by false witnesses. When Jesus was going to be crucified, he was being tried. It says in Matthew 26 that they brought false witnesses against Jesus that were saying things that they could not prove that were completely false and untrue. To Stephen in the book of Acts, before he was stoned to death, they brought false witnesses to accuse him and thereby giving themselves the freedom and the right to kill him and take his life. One of the best stories of a false witness happens in the book of 1 Samuel. In the book of 1 Samuel, there was a queen named Queen Jezebel, and she was married to a guy by the name of Ahab. He was King Ahab. And Jezebel wanted to try to help her husband, who was sulking, by procuring him a vineyard. The problem is the vineyard that she wanted to get for him was owned by a guy by the name of Naboth. Now, Naboth had this vineyard, didn't want to sell the vineyard, and so Jezebel came up with a plan. She hired two people to act as false witnesses. 
these false witnesses sat across the table from Naboth and then accused him of saying things that were untrue about God and about the king. They used that, that evidence, that false evidence, to then take him outside of the city and stone him to death, thereby she could take the vineyard that she really wanted. That's what a false witness is. A false witness is somebody who lies. A false witness is somebody who pretends to be righteous, but is procuring or giving a lie to other people. Do you lie? Is lying a part of your life and a part of your heart? Is lying something that just naturally flows off of your lips? Do you know that it's more than just the issue of lying? It's more than just the issue that God talks about of bearing false witness. This is, as we have talked about every week, this is a heart issue. It is all about the heart. I want you to, again to say this with me one more time as we've done several weeks. It's all about the heart. It's all about the heart. That's what these issues are. It's uncovering what is really in the heart of mankind. Do you have anger in your heart? Do you have lust in your heart? Do you have a desire to steal in your heart? Do you have lying that is in your heart? Our speech reveals our character. Jesus tells us that there is a direct line from our heart to our mouths. In Matthew 12, 34, he says these words. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The lies that are told by a false witness come from a sinful heart. If lying is a part of your life, it has been a part of your life, it is, if it still continues to be a part of your life, then it's coming from an area deep in your heart that God needs to correct, needs to fix, and needs to challenge. Lies come, according to Jesus, from the overflow of a heart and a heart that is not right with him. That's why Paul says in Ephesians 4 these words. He says, with respect to your former lifestyle, in other words, with respect to who you used to be, don't be that person anymore. When you come to the Lord, you've got to be different. It should be different. God should change you from the inside out so that you are different. When you are looking at your old life, don't be the same anymore. You are to lay aside the old self corrupted by its deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self. Now, the literal word that Paul is saying, he's talking about a coat. It's like wearing a garment, he says, I want you to take off the old coat that you have always worn, lay it aside, and put on the new coat. Put on the new robes of righteousness. Be completely different. You cannot stay how you've always been. In fact, how do you know if somebody's really been converted, how they've really been redeemed? It's because they have a change of life. I'd mentioned Pastor Grant being here uh, now, and we're just so blessed to have him. But I want you to get to know him, and I want you to hear his testimony of what he used to be, who he used to be, and the dramatic change that happened when he came to know the Lord. When he came to know the Lord, the old self got laid aside and the new self got put on. And that's the same for you and I. When you came to know the Lord, the real picture of conversion is that you laid aside the old self and the new self got put on. And that's what Paul's saying. Take off the former. Don't be the same. 
Be different. Be changed. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self. Who is this new self, he says? Well, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So we are created to be like God. God is a God who does not lie. He speaks the truth. And that's what he expects of us as well. So he says this, so lay aside lying and each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members of one another. What does it mean to speak the truth with your neighbor? Well, it means to quit pretending and quit saying things that are not true and say the truth, speak the truth, share the truth because we have an impact upon each other. If you lie to each other, you're going to hurt each other in the long run. Now that question about speaking the truth, about not lying, is often brought up in debated issues. If you're ever in a theology class, a Christian ethics class, you will hear this debate that takes place. Is it right to ever lie then? There are examples in the Bible of people that lied in the Bible. Is it right to ever lie? There are some that will take the stance of, no, you never lie. You speak the truth. There are others that will take the stance and say, you know what? If it's going to mean irreparable harm to another person, then it's going to be okay in those situations like in Nazi Germany. When they were coming around after Jews and if you were hiding a Jew in your house and they came up and said, are you hiding a Jew in your house? That it would be okay at that point to say, no, I am not. Because if you told them the truth, it would mean the death of the people that you were hiding. So irreparable harm. That's where I tend to fall. Is if it's going to cause irreparable harm. Why do I fall there? Because God knows your heart. He knows the motive of your heart. And the motive is that I want to protect the life. I don't want to see them murdered. And so there are exceptions to every rule. However, in this particular case, God does not want us to operate in lie. Okay, if those situations happen, that's a different story. But as you are today, where you operate today, at your jobs today, with your family today, he expects you to be people who are of the truth, who walk in the truth, who share the truth. Well, with that said, I want to give you quickly just four things that are disguised or what lies really look like in the way that they operate in this world, just out of what the Bible says. Four habits of untruthful and unneighborly speech. We are called to love our neighbors as ourselves. So what does unneighborly speech look like? What does untruth look like in the way that it operates in this world? Well, let's just talk about those four very quickly uh, as we conclude the message today. First of all, we have what is called the sin of slander. That is one picture of what lies look like. It is the sin of slander. What is slander? Slander is trying to tear someone else down to gain a benefit for myself. I want to tear them down so that I in turn look better or I despise them. So I want to tear them down so that I look better. That is what slander is. I want to make myself look good and I want to make them look bad. Again, it comes back to the motive of your heart. The reason I slander you is coming out of a wicked spot in my heart. If you are doing that with your coworkers, if you are doing that toward your spouse when you're talking about him or her with other people, if you do that with your children, if you do that with friends, if you do that with enemies, you are now committing slander. Slander is tearing them down, making myself look good. Now, this is going on today continuously. 
today continuously, slanderous lies are being told about probably you and other people. We cannot sink to that level. Slanderous lies to shut you up and make another person win. They will use buzzwords, buzzwords such as this, racist, homophobic, xenophobic, white supremacist. And those words are used as slanderous lies because that's not who you are. But those words are used in order to gain advantage to make somebody else look good and make you look bad. That's what slander is. That's how slander works. Do you know God views this very, very seriously? In fact, he says it this way in 1 Corinthians 6.10. He says this, but now I am writing to you not to mix together with anyone who's being called a brother if he is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater, notice this word, or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a fellow. Thieves, the greedy, drunkards, slanders, swindlers, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Those are, that's how God views this. He views slandering on the same level as, as sexually immoral, drunkard. He views it the same way. So do not be a person who slanders. Now, we live in an age today where the most common place that you will see this is on social media. Have you seen it on social media? On social media, how easy it is to post a post that is slanderous because I have courage when I don't have to meet with somebody face-to-face and I can just post something that is untrue and false and a lie about someone else. It is posted about public figures. It's posted about neighbors. It's posted about pastors. It's posted about coworkers, And even politicians are slandered and do a lot of slandering themselves. So slander is one of the things that God says, this is wrong. This is a form of lying. It says this in Proverbs 26, 18, as a form of what slander looks like, uh, one of the versions of it is extreme sarcasm. Do you know anybody in your life who has what they would term the gift of sarcasm? Uh, You know, some people think it's a spiritual gift. It's a gift of, you know, God gives gifts. Some people think, well, I have the gift of sarcasm. Do you know that sarcasm is a form of slander? Do you know that sarcasm, if you have teenagers, you will know what sarcasm looks like. If you have teenage boys, you will hope that someday they grow out of this stage because everything that comes out of their mouths is sarcasm. Now, some never grow out of that stage. In fact, they're in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and they are still just as sarcastic as they were as a teenager. God has something to say about that. Proverbs 26 says this, like a madman shooting firebrands and deadly arrows, so is the one who deceives his friend and says, "I, I was only joking. I was only joking. That's sarcasm. And that is what slander looks like. The purpose of it is to tear somebody else down and make myself look better. Second form of lying in the Bible is the sin of flattery. You know what flattery is? The sin of flattery is trying to manipulate somebody else in order to uh, give them a false flattery in order to make myself in a position of advantage. When is a compliment not a compliment? When it's false flattery. 
You've been around people probably who give false flattery, sweet talk, and you know that there's something wrong with this. This is something that just doesn't feel right. I had a, a boss at one point in, I hate to say this, but it was in ministry. It was at a church where I was at, and this person was just full of flattery. And I knew it just was not true. Now, I didn't last there very long, uh, and I'm not going to tell you which church it was at, and it was not here in Gillette, so I'll, tell, I'll just... I'll just point that out. But there was a church that I was at that the pastor was just so filled with false flattery that you knew none of this is true. You're saying this in order to get an advantage or get something out of me. And that's the only reason you're saying this. And so beware of false flattery because that is the sin of lying. It's the sin of bearing false witness. Proverbs 26, 24 through 28, it says this. One who hates disguises it with his lips, but he stores up deceit within him. When he speaks favorably, do not believe him, for there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred may be concealed by deceit, his evil will be exposed before the assembly. Whoever digs a pit will fall in it, and whoever rolls a stone, it will come back upon him. A lying tongue hates those crushed by it, and a flattering mouth causes Ruin. Just like slander, flattery is really, even though it's more subtle, it is really a form of lying. Number three, the sin of silence. <clears throat> the sin of silence. What is the sin of silence? Well, we often neglect holding our tongues when we should. Is anybody guilty of that, by the way? You are guilty of not holding your tongue when you should have held your tongue. You should have kept your mouth shut because you didn't, you got yourself into way more trouble. Do you know that we're also very guilty of not speaking up when we should speak up? That's called the sin of silence, and that is a form of lying. When I should say something, when I should speak up, when I should stand up for a friend, stand up for the truth, stand up for God, and I don't say anything. In the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon reminds us these words in chapter 3, verse 7. He says this, there's a time to be silent and there is a time to speak. We need to speak up with the truth when the good name of our neighbor, of our neighbor is run through the mud. There's a time to speak up and say the truth. And by just staying silent, we are essentially lying and going along with whatever is happening. And that's the sin of lying. James chapter four, verse 17 says this. Therefore, whoever knows the right thing to do and does not do it, for him it is sin. You know the right thing to do. You know when you should speak up. You know when you should stand up for the truth, and you just don't do it. And essentially, what are you doing? You're just lying to yourself. You're lying to God. You're not protecting people that need to be protected. Number four, the last one I want to cover, is called the sin of misattribution. Misattribution. What is misattribution? It's to misattribute. <clears throat> what does misattribute mean? It means to build myself up by taking credit for things that I don't deserve or to blame somebody else when I should take credit for that. That's what it means to misattribute. It is shifting blame or garnering credit. You've probably been in meetings before where you had an idea 
And a coworker or a boss took that idea as their own and presented it as their own and did not give you any credit whatsoever. Or maybe you have taken credit for things that you have written because you copied and pasted them and you took credit for that as your own when it wasn't actually the truth. Maybe there's times in your life where you have, instead of taking ownership and responsibility, you have blamed somebody else for the things that are happening in your life. That's called misattribution, where I am not taking responsibility or I am taking credit where I should not be receiving credit. Do you know that this happened right away in the very beginning of the Bible? The very beginning of the Bible, when Adam sinned against God and God came and confronted him, here was his response. Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me uh, to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. So what is he saying? God, it's your fault and it's her fault. It's not my fault. That is lying. Lying to yourself. The sin of lying is something that God takes very seriously, but what we understand is that it's really all about your heart. The sin of lying starts in your heart, as does the sin of murder, as does the sin of adultery, as does the sin of stealing. It all starts in your heart. What are the commandments about? They're about making sure that your heart is right with God. I worship him. He sits on the throne of my heart. He changes who I am from the inside out, and as a result of that, I want to deal with my anger. I want to deal with the lusts. I want to deal with my stealing. I want to deal with my lying. And I want to be the person that he has called me to be. Where does all of it start? What is the cure for the problems that we have in life? Well, the cure is accepting Jesus and not stopping there. Allowing the Holy Spirit to do an internal work to change my heart and my mind so that I begin to reflect the character of God in the way that I live out my life. That's where the start begins. In Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, God promises and he says that I will give them a new heart. I will take out their heart of stone and I will give them a heart of flesh. That's where it starts in our lives. When God takes out your stony heart and he gives you a heart of flesh, where the Holy Spirit comes in and changes you from the inside out, He changes your mind. He changes the decisions that you make and your life will radically be different. These commands are all about our hearts. Is your heart right with him today? Is your heart where it needs to be? Have you accepted him and are worshiping him? Have you let him sit on the throne of your heart? Are you resting in him and abiding in him? Are you representing him well? Are you loving your neighbor as yourself by valuing and honoring them, valuing and honoring life, valuing and honoring uh, the, the God's principles of life, dealing with the sexual immorality in your life, dealing with the stealing and dealing with the lying? If it's not right today, make this the day that you choose to get right with him. Let's pray as we wrap this up today. Father God. I am just so grateful for the love that you have for us. Sometimes I feel like in our own lying that we look like my little son did to me on that day that he was caught eating Oreos. And we try to come to you and say, oh, I'm not lying. And we've got the evidence all around us. You know the heart. You know the mind. You know our lives. I pray, Father, 
that we would be trustworthy. I pray, pray, Father, that we would value speaking the truth because we have an impact upon each other. Some of us, Lord, have just lied through our silence. Some of us have lied through taking credit for things that we should not take credit for. Some of us have lied by shifting the blame when we should be responsible. Some of us, Lord, have lied by outright slandering others and harming their reputation. Others have lied by just giving false flattery when it's not really genuine from their hearts. Lord, if we are guilty of any of these things, convict us. Put your finger on our, on our hearts, Lord. Help us to repent and completely follow you. Lord, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Help us, Lord, to be right with you as we leave this place. And Lord, as we go out into the world this week, help us to be wonderful representatives of you who speak the truth in love with those around us. We thank you, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right-hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.